This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another edition of my favourite show of the week, and that, of course, is 50 Years of Chelsea, where me, Jonathan, and a few intelligent people, uh, basically, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Jonathan or myself, but it's I'm true. Happy. I'm happy, I'm happy to or, be, yeah. have your aspersions cast. People with good memories would probably be uh, better better put but anyway me Jonathan and lots of other friends of ours who have done the roller coaster of Chelsea go back in time and look at uh, each season each Chelsea season from 1970 onwards uh, and what a roller coaster journey it's been uh, tonight we're joined by the lovely Mark Meehan who's become a, a big favorite of ours on this show uh, and with our and with our listener Mark great to see you as always Great to see you, Chidge. Good to see you, Jonathan. Glad to be on the show again. Looking forward to tonight. Good stuff. Now, uh, only Mark Meehan would say, I'm really looking forward to tonight. Because, of course, this, this dear listener, is the year 1982-83. to 83, A season that will go down in infamy uh, in Chelsea circles. Mark's already grinning. He's, a say, he's basically a masochist. He just loves the punishment. <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed. Uh, what a bizarre season. I mean, of course, you know, people who, who listened last week will know we finished off last season thinking it was all pretty crap, which it kind of was. We finished 12th again in the second division. Uh, John Neal's first season in charge. And Jonathan and I kind of decided that what he was really doing was kind of taking a bit of time to scope things out and figure out who was really, really awful and he had to replace and who was just about bearable that he'd keep. Um, so, you know, as always, we go into the new season with hope. We always go in with hope as Chelsea fans. Uh, but the, the notable thing really at the beginning of this season, of course, is this is this is the first kind of proper season where, uh, you know, Colonel Sanders, Father Christmas, call him what you will, the, the, the bird's eye man, Mr. Ken Bates himself. Uh, that's really when the Bates era begins. Um, 
just to go through the ins and outs uh, at the beginning of the season, chaps, uh, talking of what we were talking about last week, Jonathan, uh, John Neal's kind of got his little black book out and he's writing names in there of you're out, you're out, you're out. Sure enough, uh, Petter Barota, he's off. Dennis Rofe, he's off. Colin Viljern, he's off. Ian Britton, I say this with a tinge of sadness, he's off. And uh, Graham Wilkins is off. Um, before I get into the who's coming in, what did you think about that at the time? Because, of course, it would have been all over uh, in the summer on the uh, the back pages of the newspapers with all the ITK merchants saying, we think this person's going out. Not. Well, Barota was obvious because he'd been replaced by Francis and he, I think the 6-0 was... Uh, he didn't play again, did he? he? No, he didn't after that. No, yeah. he, didn't. he didn't. That was... Um, and Viljona hardly played, even though I always got a bit of a thrill because I thought he was such a he was going to be a good player. And he seen he, well, he was a bit slow, I suppose. Rofe was a bitter disappointment because he'd been so good. Uh, Wilkins was always, you know, you sort of it was suck it and see time. You thought, how is he going to play? Is he going to be any good? Is he going to give away another own goal? Um, and Britain would, you know, I think Britain had a couple of decent seasons, but was always a bit. Um, uh, it, if you know the way that that Neil clearly was attempting to sculpt the side, he was more of a journeyman, Britain, and I felt that, um, in a way, that was that was an, an an inevitability about it because he uh, he he wasn't really quick enough. Um, uh, I'm d- disappointed that um, 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 what's his face on the wing who'd score who um, the um, uh, who, who who kept being injured all the time. Oh, yeah, his driver was injured again. <laughs> Poor chap, because he was he was clearly. Well, let, let's a, wait till we get into all of that. I just want to do, do the ins and outs first. Well, no, but they were they were just thinking of players that were that, that didn't figure, and um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I think in that list, I was I don't think there was anybody we were disappointed about going. Personally. Fair enough. What about what about you, Mark? Do you share J.K.'s rather sanguine view there? Uh, I think of all the players, yeah, I would have probably missed Ian Britton. Yeah, I, I had a soft spot for Ian Britton. Uh, Barota, I think his time was done. And he, he went to Brentford after he left us, but he didn't even play for Brentford. Yeah, he, his career at Brentford... Did yeah, he get lost on the, uh, on the M4, you know, raised no, bit or something? Sure. He actually left us to join Brentford, but he never played for Brentford. Not last, seen in, last seen in Land's End. Yeah, he ended up playing in Portugal. I think he finished his career with Porto. Wow. So he, wow. he ended up playing at a, a decent level. Rofe, I agree with Jonathan. I don't know what it was about Dennis Rofe. You know, decent left back in his time. You know, remember him at Leicester City. Yeah, um, he was, he was really good for a while, just never worked out. Um, Viljan, good player, but uh, wrong wrong time probably joining us at the end of his career. And I know he never enjoyed when Jeff Hurst was manager. So probably never settled, you know, even when John Neal arrived. Uh, and then Gra- Graham Wilkins, you know, I said, I think on the show previously, I actually voted him as player of the year in the 79 season. But again, I think like any player, a player's time is up. So you have that Tommy Doherty philosophy that a new manager comes in their first year. You know, they evaluate what they've got. They then use their second season to bring in players who they want and they reap the benefits in the third year. So John Neal had had one year. He'd seen what he had. He wanted to make changes, bring his own players in, which we'll probably talk about in a minute. And then hopefully on a future show, we'll talk about his third year benefits. Well, I was going to say, Mark, you know, to be fair to John Neal, he, he couldn't have got rid of all of them, you know, which which some people might have been tempted to do. Well, he eventually did, though, didn't he, Chief? Well, he eventually did indeed. OK, so um, income uh, 
you know, two strikers, which given that we, we had Alan Mays playing for us is completely understandable. Uh, Brian Pop Robson, um, who at that time was at least uh, 103. Uh, with a bald spot. Yeah, another ball, another Rodney Rodney Fern baldy looked like a caretaker, didn't he? It was uh, less. To be fair, he was late, but Rod, Rodney Fern looked looked about ninety three, whereas did, uh, yeah. whereas Pop looked like to kind of you know uh, a healthy fifty. Uh, Willie, okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, Robson he'd been around the block a long time, hadn't he, Mark? I mean, you know, he, he was quite a decent player in his day. He was, yeah. He played at West Ham and played at Sunderland, and it, it was it was a bit of a strange signing. You couldn't really get excited about it. No. it sort of, yeah, <laughs> okay. He's a bit of a goal hanger. He'll get us a few goals, but will he get us the goals to get promoted? And even to be fair, the other players we brought in were sort of unknown quantities. Really, they they weren't known names. So, in terms of like our transfer dealings, certain players had to go, but the ones that came in, you you weren't actually sort of like running down the road to grab your newspaper, see who we'd sign, because they were a bit of a, a lukewarm signings, I would say. Yeah, well, perversely, I mean... perversely, I was excited by Pop Robson, because I'd always thought he was a decent player. So I was thinking, I don't know, I, was, you always, I always have this optimism about new signings. I, th- I always think, surely, if they bought, other than Joe Allen, who was a disaster later on, but that's another thing. But uh, you, you're a player, you think, let's give him something, because... Uh, he scored a few goals in the past. Let's see what he can do. I mean, I was uh, I was happy when Sissons played because he was a terrific winger for West Ham. And of course, he delivered absolutely nothing at all. So I suppose perhaps I should have learnt that uh, uh, by then that uh, some of these players just couldn't deliver at all. We, we never I do. Know, we never do, though, do we? We never well, do. But having, having watched, watched um, uh, uh, um, our friend not score anything for the past few years, well, he scored a few old um, Alan Mays, I, I thought anything was a... Uh, was an improvement, but little did we know that the other signing, of course, that he'd made was going to be such a star. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, of course, we, you know, John Neal signs David Speedy, and of course, he signs him from Darlington. So, Mark, yeah. had you heard of David Speedy at all? No, not at all. Yeah, so it was like a real surprise how, how he turned out. So, yeah, you have that optimism of Chelsea fans because that's what we are. We are optimists at the start of every season. But you know, from the season we'd had, you know, you'd, you'd always hope for the best. Uh, but the signings, you know, didn't actually set the world on fire. But clearly, Speedy very shortly would show what an absolutely brilliant signing he was would. by well, John Neal. There'll be much more about old Speedo uh, later in this show. Jonathan, I would imagine, like Mark, you wouldn't have known who he was either. No idea. None. No idea at all. When I heard he was five foot six and a half and a striker, I was a bit dubious, I must admit, as well. Maybe you thought that he'd been bought to go on the shoulders of Alan Mays. Yeah, hey, that would have been perfect. And he'd come on in a kind of outfit that would make them both together about yeah. ten foot Stamford the Lion, maybe. Oh, well, by the way, there's a great, great shot of Stamford the Lion on the, on one of the clips that you sent. Yeah. And it's he's leaning against the side, just going to the players. Get on the pitch. Get on the pitch. Do you know what? Yeah. I reckon the, I reckon they replaced you with the bloke in the brown coat who used to haul you out. <laughs> they promoted him for getting, you know, for kicking you out. Very possible. Yeah. Very possible. They couldn't have so. the bloke who hauled me out. It was the bloke who did the tease would have yeah. replaced yeah. The bloke who hauled so. me out had an energy that was um, it was slightly worrying, actually, that but evicting me from the ground energy. Anyway, know? um the last, uh, you know, kind of summer signing that came in was uh, Tony McAndrew, who, of course, had been John Neal's skipper at Middlesbrough, uh, clearly bought in to add a bit of uh, professionalism, I think is the way to put it, Mark. That's how Kelvin puts it in his great book. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, and again, you know, people listening to they haven't yet listened to, sorry, not listened, bought Celery. I would urge you to do it. It is the book yeah. about the 1980s Chelsea. So get out and buy it if you've not yet read it, colleague. Um, I, I would say McAndrew was the John Neal signing of probably of the three. He, he knew him previous of Middlesbrough. And I think as we talk about this season, as it went on, I think McAndrew it was extremely unlucky. He only played a small number of games mm. for us that season. He got injured very early, early on. So you never really got to see the best of him, what John Neal had intended, because he had so, you know, an injury early doors. Well, I've we'll, we'll, forgotten about him completely as a consequence because yeah. he got injured. Yeah. Completely. Well, I knew he played, but as a yeah. black, I, I, he just became a, in my head, he's become a, a just a, a fleeting yeah. glimpse, shadow of a player because of his injury. A toenail clipping on the, the history of the foot of history of Chelsea FC. On the history of feet. Of history of feet, even. Um, of course, you know, John Neal, I think you're absolutely dead right, both of you there. And he did get injured, didn't play many games. Of course, John Neal rectifies it by another signing in the same kind of mould later in the season. More of that later. Um, bottom line is, you know, we'd been mediocre for the prior two seasons. I, I, I thought, actually, you know, we weren't as bad in 81-82 as we were in 80-81. I thought 80-81 was awful. Uh, but we had a couple of mediocre seasons. We were a mediocre team and we knew it. How worried? I mean, I know you're both, you two are wonderfully optimistic and that's why I love you so much. But even you two, Jonathan, I mean, were you worried at the start of this season? But no, no, because I, I always had this feeling that, that, that they would... Um... That they would get promoted. <laughs> just win was, the league and the European Cup, yeah, at least. It wasn't based on anything. It was just based on the absolute optimism. I always thought he'll get them together. Yeah, he seems to be a decent manager. He'll scalp them. He'll, he'll do something with them. And um, uh, and when you saw Speedy play, you thought, yeah, I get it. I get it. Right. I see what he's doing. Yeah. And Robson scores, doesn't he, early on? So you think, yeah, he's actually decent. He's looking decent. So. Um, but you're, you're always tentative and then you give them the benefit of the doubt of the first few games because you think, well, they haven't played a bit and then it carries on a bit more and you think, ah, oh, it's not as good as I thought it might be. But you were, and, you were hopeful, and, right? Beginning of yeah, the season? Yeah, yeah, but, but, yeah, because because they weren't, it wasn't dreadful. The football wasn't dreadful. It, it was just results occasionally didn't work or whatever. I mean, I have to say, I found, I found um, Mickey Droy a lump always. I didn't ever think that um, we were going to do wonderfully with him as a centre-half just because... Uh, he was a bit ponderous, to say the least. And he'd score you some decent goals from time to time just by lumping the ball up and uh, using the same word, um, by kicking the ball up and him heading it from a corner or something. But he was he was easily turned, I think. That was the... Anybody a bit swift could uh, stick him on his backside. So um, I felt that was some... That was a position that would need to be rectified. And, um, uh, and as it was indeed the following year. But I'm moving ahead of myself. You are, you are. Pre pre uh, premature ejaculation, I think one would call it. Yes, indeed. I know. Think of the Arsenal football team before you speak, Jonathan. It, apparently, it helps. Does it uh, help? Yeah, apparently. Uh, Mark, um, again, you you know, like Jonathan, you're an eternal optimist, but I I also know you as a realist. Were you? I mean, you know, were you worried this season? Did you think, oh, we're going to go back up this season? No worries, or was it like mm, this could be a struggle? Uh, no, I, I don't think I'm worried because, yes, I always think we're going to win every game. But I'd also say at that time, the age I was, um, Chelsea was sort of like an all-day thing where you'd be in the pub from opening time at 11 o'clock. And pubs in those days closed at 3 and opened at 5.30. 
So the football was the bit that interfered with the drinking. So, you know, part of it as well was, you know, there wasn't really any time for pessimism because you were having such a good time going to football with your mates and going to the pub before and after the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, now, talking of going to the game, um, I think we we didn't really touch on it too much last week, which is a bit remiss of us, really. I think I think this season also has to be set into the context of what was going on in and around the football. And I, I, I don't know what you two feel about this, but I, I kind of think that this was perhaps the nadir for hooliganism uh, at Chelsea, really. I mean, I know there'd been a lot really going on since the late 60s and certainly throughout the 70s, but it, it seemed to me in the early 80s it took a kind of more menacing turn and I think this was also allied allied to the racism that we were seeing in and around the grounds I mean obviously last week we talked about Canners uh, being the victim of a lot of racist booing and and you know the game it wasn't just Chelsea you know a lot of John Barnes uh, a lot of other black players were getting grief around this time National Front Combat 18 Bulldog all this kind of stuff being sold uh, you know outside the ground so taking the hooliganism first mark uh you know how how much of a of an issue was it not i think for for the club and for you in a sense personally i mean you were going every week you you did something like 40 out of 48 games this season didn't you i did um i i think um it was there it was there the previous season as well and i think it was also coincide we had such a large way following that i was looking at some of the games before coming on the show and the amount we brought to places as Newcastle and Leeds, and we played Leeds late in the season. There's no love loss between Chelsea and Leeds. And I reckoned yeah, Leeds were doing what we were doing about fiddling with their gates because it said 19,000. But I'm sure when we played Leeds in a three-all draw, there's about 8,000 Chelsea up there. And obviously with that volume as well, you know, you know, an unintended consequence, the more you have, the more likely hooliganism was going, going, going to happen at Chelsea. And I think probably... We'll probably talk about it later. Probably the peak point in the season, there was two real games that stuck out. There was a Leeds home game. So there was a lot of talk about hooliganism leading up to that game, particularly with the press. You know, they did their bit to stir it up. And then... It was a bit disappointing, know, wasn't it? According to... Uh, to, to I've, I've forgotten completely, yeah. but I didn't realise that practically nothing had happened. And they would, they put pictures of old events because they didn't yeah. see any fighting. In the they, were, they were disappointed. I think they showed an old Liverpool game, if I remember rightly. So they're building up before the game. Uh, actually, there was very little trouble at the game. I think there was uh, gate 15. I think there might have been a, a disturbance there. Most of the trouble took place at uh, an arranged rendezvous down at Piccadilly. So although hooligans were there, the hooligans were getting smart as well and were meeting, you know, not in and around the ground, away from the ground. And you know, there is a feature you know, um, later in the season when we play Derby County where they show our CCTV. And Chelsea were one of the first clubs to get CCTV and they make a great emphasis. They were using it in the grounds then to try and combat hooliganism. And then the second game was Derby County away where I think we were trying to outdo Leeds who were there the previous week. And I think Leeds broke up about 800 seats and threw them on the pitch. So I think there was a school of thought that anything Leeds could do, Chelsea fans could do better. So when our future player, Kevin Wilson, scored in the last minute of the game and knocked us out of the FA Cup, that was a cue for some of our fans to misbehave significantly and use the seats they were sitting in as missiles, including on the fans in the lower tier below them. Hmm. Jonathan, I mean, you know, you talked a little bit about it last week and, and saying how intimidating it could be even as a Chelsea fan amongst, you know, Chelsea's... Uh, uh... Well, it, it, it was, uh, there's a wonderful clip that, that we looked at of that, 
that skinhead being taken out with no teeth and looking as if he was going to, he gives a V sign to the camera. That was the kind of person that you were dealing with at the ground each week. And they were selling um, right wing pamphlets. They were selling racist literature. They were, and they were the kind of people who would just kick anybody. They they looked for obviously for opposition fans to kick, but they'd kick you as well if you were in their way. So it, it was an, it, it wasn't an, an intimidating atmosphere just for um, away fans. It was an intimidating atmosphere for en- anybody and everybody because they were, they would create, they'd all want, they'd walk down, whole phalanx of them would walk down looking for trouble, looking for somebody to punch, looking for somebody to confront them. And uh, this was a regular occurrence. So it just meant you were, you were hiding. As I said last week, you were, you weren't keen to, um, uh, well, you, you wanted to get you wanted to get to a position of safety so you could leave the ground, try and watch the ground, watch the match from near the exit, so you could run away when anybody ran towards you. That, that was the that was the, the that was my mindset. So you were constantly looking for 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 ways out of being attacked. So it wasn't a great atmosphere, to say the least. Mm. So uh, um, excuse me. And Bates then, of course, set about removing them from the concourse that was his with uh, the cctv and all of that yeah yeah and yeah and that's so that used to be praised there's a lot what i love about this is it, coming further back from looking at what ken bates was up to there's a lot to commend him for as a chairman and he came in for a huge amount of criticism subsequently and all that business about people saying get rid of him and matthew harding is the man but i reckon that you owe bates an enormous amount of what he was doing to try to get the club back on a competitive even keel and what he'd had the year before of course is he'd had um the liverpool and spurs games that actually obviously stopped the club from going bankrupt it makes you realize the because we'd beaten liverpool and spurs obviously in the next round was packed it makes you realize the amount of money that the club could make from those big games and how they were missing out when they had dreadful attendances i mean this was a season where we got down to six and a half thousand didn't we at one stage so um uh, I think Bates always had these things worked out, what he wanted to do with the club. And in fact, um, we're going to get onto it later, but uh, I, I don't think that if we had gone down to the third division, we would have ended up, it would have been the end of the club. Because I think Bates really had, he had lots of ideas, a very good ideas, man, for getting the club back together. And also a football man, because appointing Neil was clearly a really, really excellent thing to have done, even though, Ultimately, though, at the end of the season, there were chance of Neil out. We're going to get there. I've gone ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Premature ejaculation. Again, but I had to because... I'm just going to scream, put it in your pocket next time you do it. All right? Could you do that? Thank you very much. It easily slips out, though, Well, Well, this we know from last week. Yeah, (laughs) let's not go. Let's not revisit that. I've waffled on. I just wanted to give... I wanted to give Bates that moment. No, no. I I think fair enough, mate, actually. You know, uh, there is no doubt. Uh, he's, he's obviously, you know, one can say this with hindsight, but he saved Chelsea Football Club. I think had had he not come in, and had it been left in the hands of Mears, we we probably wouldn't have even had the ground, would we, Mark? Let alone you know a football club that we can recognise as Chelsea. We could probably do a whole show about Ken Bates. That's probably an idea for. A well, when we run out of these, we might well do, mate. We might well do, and, and if you do, call me in for the ninety five, ninety six season. And so uh, I think, yes, certainly what I'd say um, in terms of like the tackling the racist, you know, situation at Stanford Bridge, Ken Bates has to emerge with a lot of credit. 
Um, so we were only a short while on after what happened to Paul Canaveral at Crystal Palace. And you know, the example that Jonathan was talking about, where people were you know, selling sort of like Bulldog and magazines like that you know, on the concourse of Stamford Bridge. So he did deal with that head on. You know, he actually did approach it. You know, he actually put articles in the programme basically saying, look, you know, we don't just have Paul Cannaval in the team. You know, we've got them coming through the youth team. He made a point in his column about you know, praising the youth team, putting photos in there, you know, naming the number of black players inside. So he really pushed, you know, you know, shall we say, the racists away from Stanbridge, away from the concourse, and basically said, you know, if you want to go and support another club, you know, and he, he actually you know, wrote White Hart Lane and emphasis about white or emigrate to the Isle of Wight. Um, so he, he really pushed, pushed the envelope on that and said, actually, we don't want you supporting the club. You know, we aren't going to change. There's more black players coming through. And even during the course of that season, we saw Keith Jones make his, make his debut. And then the following season, we saw Keith Dublin. So Cannibal was the trailblazer. He had Bates' support. But then you know, Bates has to take a lot of credit in the stance he actually took to drive, drive, drive racism away from Stamford Bridge. Mm. Okay, all right. Let's get into the football. Uh, and as you boys were saying, actually, we had a, we had a fairly decent start uh, with wins. Uh, we we beat Cambridge away one 0 in our first uh, first match of the season. Drew with Wolves, drew with Leicester, uh, lost one 0 to Derby. Uh, you know, th- quite a tough start as well, actually, because Wolves and Leicester were were you know decent sides uh, in that division. Uh, another draw against Newcastle. Bit of a surprise that because of course we normally beat them, but that was away up at St James's Park. Um, and then really, I think that I think I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear what you you boys think. I think the season, in a sense, starts really uh, against both Oldham and Grimsby. Uh, we we beat Oldham two 0 at home, and then the following fixture at home, uh, we wallop Grimsby five two. And the reason why it's notable really is it kind of marks the proper start of David Speedy's career. Of course, we spoke about Speedo. A minute ago, but he gets a brace in both goals, Jonathan. I would imagine you would have been at both games. I was indeed, and I was enthused by Speedy, who I thought he had this wonderful ability to, despite being five foot six and a half, he sprang in the air like a spring chicken. He was, he was, his ability to get up and head the ball was um, absolutely phenomenal, given his, uh, given his height um, and his, and his competitive instincts and he was a very decent striker and of course um uh had a very good eye for putting other players in as once again we to discover later on would be um unbelievably beneficial for another center forward we ultimately purchased but um um i remember being so enthused by the grimsby game that i wrote an article for the program and um uh, under an assumed name because would you believe i didn't want to put my own name because I felt if I put my own name, they would notice that it was the lion writing. Because <laughs> so you, you didn't you didn't pen it as Stanford the Lion then? Actually, yes, pen it as Stanford the Lion. No, I penned it as uh, I can't remember the name. I, I must have a program is uh, it's at home somewhere, but um, uh, in, sorry, in storage somewhere. But I'll um, but I did it because Hugh Hastings was still involved, and he was my my friend because I played uh, because it was he who got me the lion gig in the first place, and I was still playing Sunday football with him. And he phoned up and said, Jonathan, do you like writing articles? Because we're getting people to write articles in. I remember there's a, a reference in Kelvin's book about somebody writing a, a, a dreadful um, uh, analysis of how appalling the team was. But I was, I wrote an optimistic, as usual, being optimistic about how I felt we were on the right track. And with, with somebody like Speedo, 
playing that it was a really uh, where only only good could come of it. Not knowing, of course, at the end of the season that we'd be struggling to, against relegation. But he was on fire in that Grimsby game, and uh, he got two goals and leapt like a salmon. Um, it was his 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 he, once again another lost cause centre forward who would just spring up and get to headers that you think he's just stuck it back into the mixer. He was terribly good at just getting to the ball um, uh, when lots of players would have given up or not made an effort or even controlled it to bring it back in. And then somebody would, would obviously get on the end of it and something would happen um, and great effort. And as well as that got stuck in and he really had a slight nasty streak to him. And he, uh, he was a terrific, terrific player, Speedy. Mm. Really fantastic. Mark, what were your impression? I mean, I know you were at both games as well. What were your impressions of Speedy's first goals for Chelsea? Uh, I think the Oldham game was the first game. And I think what struck me is I think one of them he scored with his head and he, he just hung in the air. In the air. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was the first or second goal. And you just thought he's only about five foot six and the height he's reached and he just stayed in the air and sort of stretched his neck muscles, the head that end. He just thought, what an incredible goal. And then he almost like repeated it in the Grimsby game as well. Yeah, we almost like headed it up and then headed it back in again. You thought, well, what a start. And I think the interesting thing about that period is that was probably our peak part of the season. You know, and I don't think it probably ever got any better than that because even just before Speedy was introduced to the side, um, um, and you mentioned that hard start we had and the two teams that got promoted, the highest in the season we got was fourth after about three games in, and it never got any better than that um, in terms of league position in the, in the table. And the other thing I just wanted to mention before Speedy came in, the Derby game was, um, well, you talk about hooliganism. We were actually banned for the Derby game. Um, so the you can't ban a Chelsea fan T-shirts got one more outing that season after getting a number of outings the previous season. So because of sort of previous history with Derby, for some reason, Derby banned us. Uh, and then they lifted the ban, and we'll talk about that later when we play them in the FA Cup later in the season, and probably live to regret it. Indeed. But, how many turned up, Mark, how many turned up at the uh, at the Derby game then? Do, do you know, even though we were banned, another six thousand? Uh, no, no, there, there was a very small number. It was a midweek game. Five hundred, I think. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was probably not even five hundred. Uh, and you always looked at ways to try to beat the ban. Um, so what we decided to do. Um, one of the guys we played Sunday football with, um, his sister lived in Nottingham. So we took the viewpoint, um, let's go up and stay with his sister in Nottingham. Uh, and obviously she's then got an address in Nottingham. You know. So we went down some ID for her to the Derby box office the day before the game and bought sort of like half a dozen seats behind the goal where the Chelsea fans normally would have been. And then when you're there, you're just looking around to see if you see familiar faces. But I would say on the night, there was probably only a couple of hundred sort of fans there and my memory of that night was less about the game because actually we went back to Nottingham after the game and if you know Nottingham Nottingham had this nightclub called Madison's yeah very well-known nightclub in Nottingham so we went there after the game and there was only about 10 people in there on a Tuesday night and the attendance doubled about 11 o'clock at night and not long after we got back there when the whole Nottingham Forest football team arrived having lost 4-3 at Anfield and that that just sticks in my memory because some young guy they were raving about who just made his debut that night in Anfield was called Steve Hodge. And I think I had Gary Burtles or someone telling me that this boy will go far and play for England. No way. Actually, no way. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm almost rendered speechless by uh, that revelation, uh, Mark. 
Um, I mean, you're right. That was kind of, you know, in positionally that was a high point at the at the beginning of the season. Um, it was really, you know, kind of a lurch towards mid-table mediocrity. I mean, I, I, I will, you know, draw out uh, one particular match, uh, which, of course, we're lucky enough to, you know, be able to kind of see on... Uh, on YouTube because the, the footage of it exists and and we beat Charlton three one and I, and I watched that earlier on today and of course it's it's memorable very much for uh, Colin Pate's absolute pile drive in fact he, he nearly repeated the feat but he scores a I mean it went in like an exocet from about thirty yards with his left peg as I said he nearly did it again later but I thought we played some tremendous football that day and we played really really well J K so I would say up to that, that point that would probably be a high point for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think by then I was thinking, yeah, we're going to do all right this season. Yeah, no, completely. That was, um, it was, uh, yeah, Pates' goal was brilliant. I remember at the time thinking, blimey, he's a decent player, isn't he? And um, uh, yeah, well, one, one presumed that this was going to, from there on, it would it would kick off. Because you, what did you, how many, how many, we'd, we'd won about five games by then, hadn't we? I think one, yeah. two, three, four, five. Drawn a couple, drawn a, no, drawn four, and you think that's not that bad. They've lost three, that's not bad. We're, we're still in there fighting, but it was yeah, you know I think it's competitive. Yeah, I thought we yeah. played very decently. Of course, yeah, it, but, it all it all goes to shit. Uh, I mean, by all, by all means, comment on the Charlton game as well, Mark. But it all goes to shit, of course, in November, as it so often does for Chelsea, even to this day, where we absolutely we didn't pick up a win at all in November. Let me look. We draw, loss, draw, loss, loss. Yeah, so no wins at all in November. So the the wheels came off a bit there. But do you remember the Charlton game? I do, and it was a good October. You know, we we, we had a good month, and, you, and that whole thing about optimism again. You begin to think, oh, actually, Speedy comes into the side, um, and we talked about the Grimsby game when we played Grimsby at the start of October. They were top of the league. Yeah, you know, Grimsby were top of the league, and we absolutely hammered them. Yeah, you know, we beat them five two and beat them well, and there were some good goals scored in that game. And then we beat Tranmere. That was in the League Cup, and Speedy got a couple more goals. You sort of think this Speedy guy's got six goals in like about three games. He, he was banging the goals in, uh, and then then we played Leeds. And yeah, you know, when the press weren't focused on hooliganism, yeah, you know, we gave Leeds a game and were unlucky not to win, win that game. The wheels came off slightly on Blackburn Rovers, and, and I mean that literally because we went up to Blackburn in a minibus, and the minibus broke down. Yeah. Um, so we were stranded at Keel service station Ooh. waiting for a replacement minibus. Um, as a l- lovely story, we found we needed to sort of consume some alcohol because the, the replacement minibus was going to take several hours up from London. So we went to this pub beside Keel University. And I've, I've discussed this story with Mark Worrell because he probably might have been going to university at that stage, at that time. And the landlord of the pub next to Keel University, and, and everyone says, You've got a doppelganger somewhere in the world that looks exactly like you, and no, no word of it. Yeah, it's gospel truth. The landlord of the pub was a dead ringer for Ken Bates. Yeah, <laughs> absolute dead ringer for him. Looked like him, sounded grumpy like him. You know, so we spent the whole evening sort of singing Ken Bates to him. Had absolutely no idea what we were talking about. Um, but you know, great, great trip up there. Shame about it. And then we came to the, the Charlton game at home, and you know. Bumpstead got a, a cracking little header. You know, he picked those up. Great header. Great header, Mark. What, what, what a goal. And then Robson, you know, we were saying about Robson at the start. Yeah, you know, he chips in with a goal. You know, and he chipped in with a few goals, you know, early part of the season here and there. 
Uh, and then he did a couple of days later when we went up to Tranmere Rovers. You know, and, he, and he got he got a brace up at Tranmere Rovers. That sort of game would have been a banana skin in previous years to Chelsea. 3-1 up on the home leg. You know, if we, like we did tonight, 3-1 up, can see the goal, we start panicking. But we got an early goal, Robson, after two minutes. Completely settled our nerves. And we won, you know, comfortably... 5-2 on aggregate. So the Robson and Speedy partnership was wor working really well. And then the wheels came off in November. You know, not, not a single win. Went up to Notts County for the League Cup game. And you were, you were thinking, hey, we might have a bit of a cup run here. And we were woeful up at Notts County. We got beat 2-0. But it could have been a whole lot more. And then we end the month losing to Shrewsbury. How many times we seem to lose to Shrewsbury? Bogey team, mate. Home in Bogey team. Yeah. Bogey, bogey team, you know, so we, we lost to Shrewsbury, 1-0 up, and they get two goals in the last 10 minutes. And then we finished the month going back to Rotherham. You know, so there was no re repeat performance of the previous year, but we saw the debut. You know, we needed a big striker for some reason, so we got Mark Falco on loan from Tottenham. And Falco wasn't a bad player. He got no. goals for Tottenham. And you look at his career, he's got a good scoring ratio. But those three games he played for us, Scored a, scored a number one with Rockme Amadeus, of course, Mark. He, he did, yeah. It was a, no, no, why he had that career change, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, but he got a number one out of it. But he was he was really, really poor. He I know I listened to Woeful. Woeful. Really. And for, for the first division striker coming on loan, he looked unfit. And like, listen to last week's show, they were talking about sort of like the Rotherham game and Falco having chances early doors and that. I know they mixed the games up, but he did. And you sort of think, well, actually, he'll get us some goals. You know, that's not a bad loan move for Chelsea. But it never happens. You know. So, you know, a really, really poor November. And things were beginning to go wrong then. Um, I just, I've noticed something. I've noticed something, as I do. That uh, in the 2-0 League Cup, or sorry, Milk Cup defeat uh, up at uh, Meadow Lane against Notts County, um, by pure spooky coincidence, the goalkeeper for Notts County was... Avramovich, not Abramovich, Avramovich. So basically, the bastard love child of Raymon and Avram Grant. <laughs> very clever, Chid. Thank you. Very, very That's all right. uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah, they, they, they had some big blokes on that side that night. Brian Kilcline. Yeah, Killer Kilcline. Bloody hell. Yeah, went on to play for Coventry in the FA Cup final, beat, beating mm. Tottenham. And they had John Chidozzi. My favourite. Yeah, yeah so he, he was playing for Notts Because I think Notts County were a first division side. They got promoted. Yeah. They got promoted, I think, the year before, the year before, on the last game of the season. So they were a first division side then. They were. And they had Howard Wilkinson, an early part of the career, as their manager. Yeah, yeah. And uh, talking of goalkeepers and Coventry, uh, Shrewsbury Town had a Grizovich in goal. Got to be the same bloke, surely. Oh, it was, yeah. 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 He, he, played for, he played for Shrews before he joined Coventry. Yeah. Can I just say that um, uh, when Falco came, as usual, my unbelievable enthusiasm was such, like, oh, we've got a proper striker, we're going to score lots of goals, great, great, great. And he was complete shite. And uh, I, I remember despairing. And in fact, they ended his loan. He was supposed to be there for, for, uh, for a month, wasn't he? They, they sent him back after three weeks. Well, well so. Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, oh. debut players, Mark Falco, Rotherham uh, won Chelsea nil, 27th of November. Then we had... Joey Jones. Joey hang Jones. on, hang on, hang on. Let's wait, 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 about, wait for Joey yeah, Jones. Chelsea-Burnley was the next match. Middlesbrough uh, 
So basically three matches, right? And basically Bounder Friday always puts a note of debut and final appearances. Final appearance, Mark Falcow. He lasted three matches. Yeah. He yeah. was appalling. We were John, so Jonathan. disappointed. So disappointed. I mean, once again, there's this this terrible enthusiasm one has for these situations. Yes, first division. Yes, he's really good. Yes, this is going to be interesting. Oh my God, he's he he, he keeps failing to trap the ball. He can't control it. Oh God, as you said, Mark, he, he was completely unfit. I don't know what that was all about. Uh, and, and Jonathan, you were right. You, we sent him back early. He was that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, as, as Jonathan rightly alluded to, and th- this really needs to be uh, shouted from the, the, the rafters because uh, he's, a, he's a lot of people of our generation's kind of favourite player, but uh, making his debut on the 30th of October against Carlisle, as uh, Jonathan teased a minute ago, is a certain Joey Jones, who, of course, we, uh, we, hired, we got... Well, he was, I think we got him from Wrexham, didn't we, uh, Mark? But, of course, he'd, he'd been a European Cup winner at Liverpool, famously. Um, of course, the, you know, he had quite a debut, didn't he, Mark? <laughs> it, it, it didn't start well for Joey because no, he, he got didn't. sent off Carlisle. And, and the thing, yeah, it took a while for him to get going at Chelsea because, obviously, people remembered him from a previous games against Liverpool in the FA Cup. You know, when, when he, you know, he had had a bit of a hard time when we knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup. So, again, I don't think people were at, when he first joined, really excited about the signing. I was. No, I got sent off. What have we bought, what have we bought him for? What have we bought him for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, but what, what, what became fantastic was about him, which, which was something that was, once again, echoed in Cummins' book. But I remember the fact that he was so good at, the, at, at going and communicating with the fans he became such a fan's favourite for that, which endeared him, his effort and his his ability in his and but his his wanting to actually just to communicate, go to the players for the game, go to the, go to the fans for the game and and g them up really and g them up at corners and things and just g them up. What made him an absolute f- firm favourite, uh, and it took him a little time, but because he just got better and better, he sort of got used to well, it. But I, it you know. I think that was absolutely bang on, Jonathan, and that was epitomised, of course. I think really, you know, crystallised in the mind is is when we went to uh, QPR uh, on Boxing or day after Boxing Day, another highlight of the season, really, because again they were a very good side. And uh, Joey, was that the first time that Joey really kind of went to the away fans and said, "Come on, you know, <clears throat> arms, arms, yeah. you know, fists yeah. clenched," wasn't it? It was that kind of business. Yeah, that, that, that's that's my first memory of jo, jo, Joey doing that. You know, really, before the game, he comes out with that fist clenched to, to the away and really rouses the crowd because, you know, it was, it was early morning as well. Keep you up. I think it was 11 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, so like 11.30. Yeah, yeah, 11.30. Right. Yeah, people have to say that, 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 that really got the crowd going. Yeah, that plastic pitch was such an advantage. Yeah. It was awful. It was such an advantage, though, because they were so used to playing on it. But um, what was that story that was in the book? With that, um, uh, uh, Rhodes Brown and Speedy just had gone, had gone early, gone out early uh, onto the pitch and just practiced um, bouncy corners to each other or bouncy um, centres, uh, just in case that Speedo was just constantly heading in. And lo and behold, the second goal was a Rhodes Brown cross and a Speedy a Speedy header in. So you know, that was uh, that was very perceptive of them. But it was it was very difficult for teams, and they I think had a fantastic home record as a consequence. Rangers just because of this alien uh, surface where the ball would bounce um, much higher than on any other pitch. And this was of course an era where you played regularly on on mud baths 
I think, as was that um, that Charlton game was played on a, a complete. Well, mile. I remember watching that this afternoon, and when Pop Robson yeah. came on, he tackled himself, or the pitch tackled him. I'm not quite <laughs> sure which, but he basically went to touch the ball and just went flat on his face because the pitch was so awful, like a ploughed field. That's another point that I've remembered about that. It, that was very interesting looking at the East Stand at that period. How um, the top tier, the up, East Stand upper, was completely full, uh, but the middle tier, where it was really expensive, even then, was practically empty, and downstairs was full as well. So they were having great trouble in flogging those seats at that period, those expensive yeah. seats, and this was a regular occurrence um, because they were supposedly the elite seats, and you were near the director's box obviously but maybe they um, just didn't want to sit next to ken it may have been that of course but i think then it missed there, there were several thousand didn't want to sit next to ken <laughs> well you know it could be true mate uh, and on that on that uh, you know curious question uh, we're going to end uh, part one because uh, coming up after this very short break uh, we get into the new year uh, where uh, it basically gets uh, from uh, kind of mediocre to bad to downright frightening until the 11th hour more will be revealed after the break away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Chidge. jk in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Footballfancast.com 
Right, welcome back. This is uh, 50 Years of Chelsea from the Chelsea Fancast, looking this week at 1982-83. And with me, as ever, is the wonderful uh, Jonathan Kidd. Very delighted to be here. Thank you, Chidge. Always good to have you on board. And especially to Mr Mark Meehan, who uh, has eaten at least three encyclopedia before he's come along to the show tonight. So we're relying on his knowledge and memory. And equally delighted to be here as well, Chidge. Lovely stuff. All right, so we kind of finished off really uh, on quite a high, actually, uh, pretty much towards the end of the year, uh, beating QPR away. QPR were third at the time. Uh, And our next match, uh, just at the uh, kind of last match of uh, 1982, is a home match against Fulham, um, which, I I mean, it it was a nil-nil. I mean, again, Fulham Fulham were were not bad that season. They They were challenging... Uh, challenging for promotion. I think they were around fourth at the time. Mark, do you remember much about this match? Was it a drab nil-nil, or am I just my memory is not very good? Of course, but I I, I thought it it was a drab nil-nil from memory. But I, I think it probably was our best crowd of season, or close to our best crowd of season, because we, as we said earlier, we got some shocking crowds, six, seven, eight thousand. But there were twenty-seven thousand there that day. No, twenty-nine thousand that day. So nearly thirty thousand. So. Clearly, London Derby brought people out on the 28th of December. So I don't remember it as a sort of a bit of a ding-dong, great nil-nil game. I think it was more, you know, a dull nil-nil. And then after, again, our bogey team, you know, I remember going up to Shrewsbury on New Year's Day. And you think, why am I here? We lose 2-0 to Shrewsbury, you know. Uh, And then a couple of days later, we played Leicester. um, And, you know, we lost 3-0 at Leicester. I think that was a morning kickoff as well. And Lin- got to, and Alan Smith, you know, yeah, scored. Blimey! What, what I remember that game is the only time in my life I've seen three games of football in one day. Now I know there's non-league days where you know groundhoppers see about seven games in one day, watching North Billingham versus Red Star or something or other, and they 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 have it like Sky is on Saturday, five games sort of spread out. But that day we, we saw Leicester City um, in the morning. For some bizarre reason, I think because one of the guys who came with us was a QPR fan, so he wanted to see his team in the afternoon. So they were playing at Derby in the afternoon. So we went to QPR Derby in the afternoon. Uh, and then we decided, as we'd done two games, and we were on the way back to London, and Watford were home that evening to Manchester City, we decided to go to watch a really dull, more duller than the Fulham-Chelsea nil-nil game. Nil-nil to see three games of football. And that's the only time in my life I've, I've actually ever achieved that. And there's probably groundhoppers that probably think I'm a mere novice. You know, only three games in one day, Mark. You know, novice. We've done five or six. Um, we're still... We're st- I mean, you know, we're still floating around mid-table around this time. I mean, the only other... I mean, obviously, we've got the cup matches against Huddersfield right after the Leicester match, Mark. Uh, we drew 1-1 up there and then in the replay... We won 2 0. So we're into the fourth round. I'm intrigued by the next match after that on the 15th of February, sorry, January. 6 0. We beat Cambridge United, Jonathan and Mark. Do you remember that, Jonathan? Uh, I was there. I was there. I think they were very poor, if I remember rightly. Uh, they were very poor. Didn't they go down that, that term at the end of the season? I think they were, didn't they, Cambridge? I don't know, mate. I don't think they did. No, they finished mid table, Jonathan, because we. we played them again the following season in, in, in the promotion year. So that was quite a surprising result because Cambridge were punching above their weight then. So they weren't struggling. They struggled in future years. So yeah. beating them 6-0 was, was a good result because they were, at that point, higher in the table than Chelsea. Yes. 
feel like we'd be beating Grimsby. We're, we're beating the sides ahead of us in the table and losing to the rubbish below. What a surprise. Not like that would ever happen with Chelsea, Mark. I mean, that, that's unheard of, isn't it? It's just as well we had these um, we had these victories. Really, the way the season was going, the odd the odd victory against uh, a team that we, um, we 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 should really have lost to because uh, we then went on a wonderful uh, run of four losses in a row, didn't we? So um, and it, we started. I think this was the period we started flirting with the with the bottom three for the first time. Well, before we get to that, J.K., you're not wrong. Um, between all of that, there's. Uh, uh, just having a look at the Carlisle match, actually, to see when when that was. Oh no, well, there, there, was, there was the FA Cup. I was going to say Derby. Yeah, the FA yeah. Cup match was before that, wasn't it? Um, let's talk about that because you 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 were uh, alluded to that earlier on, Mark, didn't you? About the ag that was there, but we absolutely got yeah. humped by them, didn't we? We 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 like an FA Cup run, and I think in the eighties and even in the late seventies, yeah, we were never going to sort of do much. So we always looked forward to a run in the cup and. Yeah, we had fifth rounds, we had six rounds. You talked about on the show last week, the Spurs game. So we played Huddersfield in in the first round. We took a huge following up to Leeds Road. And that was probably one of the rare occasions that season when Alan Mays scored. And it was a really important goal, the equaliser. So we beat them back in the bridge and we drew Derby away. So we took a really huge following up to Derby for that cup game. Um, And again, if you you know Derby, well, we, we took a coach up there. Um, and there's a pub. Um, it's between sort of Pride Park now and the baseball ground in a, a, a town called Alveston. So if you know Derby, you'll know Alveston. And it was called the Blue Posts. And it's probably a foretaste of what was going to come in, in, in that afternoon because things just <laughs> went started badly and got exceedingly worse. And the Blue, blue Post is it's, it's like a sort of, if it was in Miami, you'd sort of think this is part of the culture and the architecture. It's very Art Deco, the Blue Post, even back in the 1980s. So we took a coach up there and we were the first coach in there at 11 o'clock. Um, football focus comes on at sort of 12 o'clock. And I don't know why that day of all days, maybe because we always hark back to the 1970s. And they showed the 1970 Cup final in the pub. So it created an absolutely fantastic atmosphere in the pub. And the whole pub is singing. And when I did my Chelsea, I should have said this is one of my favourite songs. Who won the cup in 1970? Who won the cup? In, and, 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 and repeat. So really good atmosphere in the pub. And then it just sort of went south. So more and more coaches arrived. There's two bars um, in the blue post. And somehow or other, during the course of that afternoon pre-game, the police were called because someone had gone behind the bar in the other bar we weren't drinking in and had stolen the till. And this <laughs> is, this is what... This is not modern-day tills, push-button. These are old-fashioned tills from the 1980s. So how no one noticed probably some burly bloke carrying this heavy ton till out of the pub with the afternoon takers and then called the police. So the police came into the pub, cleared the pub. So what started as a really good atmosphere went went south. And we were still drinking. So all we did on the 52-seater coaches, we carried our drinks onto the coach and said to the driver, to the baseball grounds, with haste, there's a cup game to be won. And we got a little further down the road, and the the blues and twos came on, and the superintendent who had evacuated the pub gets on the coach and says, excuse me, gentlemen, the landlord of the pub would like you to return his glasses. So could you finish up drinking? And So we had this motorcycle cop. We, we, we all finished up drinking. They collected the glasses. And I think the motorcycle cop drove them back to the pub and we headed to the baseball ground. So just a lovely memory of that. But 
um, we played well that day. Um, we're, we're in the seats um, and we got a late equaliser. I think from memory, I think Fillery scored. So you think, and Kevin Wilson got the first goal. So you're thinking, uh, yeah, there's not long to go. We'll take them back to the bridge uh, and there'll be a replay. And then in the last minute of the game, Kevin Wilson scores um, the winning goal for Derby. Uh, we forgave him. Um, but then it all goes horribly wrong. And as I said earlier, you know, people were breaking up chairs, using them as missiles, throwing them onto the pitch, um, hitting their own fans, you know, above. Um, and I, I think I think I've read somewhere, it might have been in Kelvin's book, um, that I think some, the police actually said that we were not hooligans when people were being escorted back to the station. We were just bad losers. You know, and I think sometimes with our hooliganism, it, it wasn't that, because that did go on fighting with the other fans. It was just vandalism because people were just upset that we'd lost. But I think also because of, the, of our reputation as, as decent as decent cup uh, uh, competitors, because that, as you said, that that was always the case. Was always we nearly always had a decent run, and also it meant effectively that the, there was the great source of revenue gone. So you, I don't think they were thinking too heavily about that. But from a from a, I remember thinking at the time, bloody hell, uh, where's he going to get the money from? For the season yeah and, and again if we got through the cup a cup run would help because yeah. then after that you know jonathan said we went on a losing streak the gates really begin to tail off then yeah well we lost to derby i mean literally a week later in the league and there was a lot of talk about ag at that game <clears throat> there's a wonderful thing on youtube uh with, with a news report on chelsea's animalistic behavior by their fans but you're right we we lost to derby we lose to Grimsby 2-1. We then draw with Leeds United and beat Blackburn Rovers, at which point we're in 13th in the table. We get absolutely humped by Charlton away. Uh, from what I understand, Mark, there was no bonfire this time. Uh, no, no bonfire. Uh, an absolutely appalling day in terms of the weather, but also on, on the pitch as well. I think we matched I think we matched Charlton for about an hour. Um and then they'd signed, maybe did they sign him from Barcelona? The Danish Simmons, striker, Simmonson. Simmonson. And you Simmonson were the just footballer of the year, wasn't he? Footballer of the year, Jonathan. Absolutely. Yeah. And Simmonson just took over for the last half hour of the game. I think he, he scored two of the goals. And I think the other goal might have been going in, but it was counted as a Colin Payne's own goal. So he, he was denied a hat-trick by one of our players. And if you'd ever been to the Old Valley and they had that huge open terrace... And I think we were standing not behind the goal this time, we're standing at the side. Um, and I, I think I've got it in one of the programs I've got here. You, you have this picture of this huge open terrace at the Valley. And it's just, you know, just if I get it, I'll just show it to you. And that's all Chelsea fans there. So we had thousands there that day just to see us capitulate um, to what was probably an average Charlton side. So that, that was a really disappointing day. And, and then I think afterwards, I think this was the game where uh, Alan Simerson made the mistake of parking his sponsored car with his name splashed all over it outside the away end. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was able to drive his car home afterwards. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm. the question I want to ask you both, Mark, Mark first, what on earth was Alan Simonson, uh, you know, European Football of the Year, I think it was uh, Gladback, wasn't it, when he played for them? I think so. I can't remember. But anyway, what on earth was he doing playing for Charlton? I would have thought the money. Really? Yeah, well, I think somebody wasn't there a um, a sugar daddy at the uh, at the club at Charlton. They were trying to get them into the division, so they they took a punt, and um, 
and got him over for a, a huge amount of money. I mean, that would be and whether the or the sponsor, the sponsor who sponsored the car gave the money as well. I think he was just I, I don't know how, how long his contract was. I don't remember him lasting very long at Charlton. I think the idea was that he was supposed to uh, get them over the line to get promotion. It was a punt and it didn't I, happen. I, I, he was a great think, player, though. I enjoyed watching him. Did you enjoy Mark? He was really fantastic. Really he, terrific, he, tricky player. That last half hour, he destroyed his single-handedly. Yeah. yeah, we were in the game, two all, evenly matched. Um, and then he just took the game on. Yeah. Um, it, had to, it had to be for the money. He only played one season for Charlton. Yeah. So uh, clearly, I think they had to buy him in mind to try and get that promotion. Uh, but he only played 16 games. Got a good goal ratio, scored nine goals. Because... They were in deep trouble the following season, Charlton, because I remember, I know you're going to talk about the 83-4 season on the next show, but I remember us playing Charlton the following season early because they were strapped for cash financially. Yeah. So whether Siemenson put them into serious financial difficulty, they, they gambled, they rolled the dice with Siemenson and it never came off. Hmm. I was under the impression that somebody had, had forked out for him and it wasn't the club themselves and they were just... Because they were they were in such dire financial straits anyway. I remember reading, but I'm, I could be completely wrong. You could be right. It might have been the car sponsor, Jonathan. So probably that when the car got trashed after Chelsea got beat five to two, he wanted his money back. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, the couple of games coming up, which are which are noteworthy. Uh, really, um, the Carlisle match, as I, I was mentioning a minute or two ago, uh, which was on the twelfth uh, of March. Um, where Chelsea won 4-2 at home. And a few games later, we played Fulham away down at the Cottage, which was a 1-1 draw. The reason why uh, this was noteworthy uh, really is because an old mate of ours scored his first goals for Chelsea. Canners, Paul Cannaville scored two uh, against Carlisle and he scored one against Fulham. in the Well, we opened the scoring. It ended up being 1-1. Great volley. Both, uh, well, certainly the, the Fulham one's caught on camera. That's on YouTube. Uh, and obviously we spoke to Canners to do a big interview with him for the Chelsea special a while ago. And this is what Canners had to say about his first goals for Chelsea. 12th That's of March, 1983. So this wow. is almost a year after your, the, the awful debut yeah. against Palace. But uh, Chelsea beat Carlisle 4-2. Uh, you scored two goals that day. Um, what was we in? We Division Two. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you. Still, it was still Division Two. Right. This okay. was the year that we nearly. Uh, oh dear. I think <laughs> this is the year that we nearly went into the third division. Actually. Yeah, go on. But I mean that season. Interestingly enough, I mean we'll, we'll talk around this anyway. But I mean that that you actually did quite a lot that season did to I? help us escape relegation to the third division but anyway I need that memory. I'll tell you who was in the team right Johnny Bumstead yeah Gary Chivers yeah Mike Fillery Chris Hutchings wow Bob Isles is in goal Bobby. Joey Jones you see by now he's got Joey Do Jones in to stiffen the defence wow. Alan Mays is still getting a game he's amazingly enough but who is he up front with uh, well we've got David Speedy in the team now has he yeah and uh, Colin Pates and Clive Walker Clive Walker's still there uh, Clive scored the first goal on 29 minutes. Johnny B scored one on 44 minutes, and you scored the last two on 55 and 18. Last two, last two goals. Not even one. You scored two goals. Bloody These God. are your first goals for Chelsea. Oh my God! I this this that. this will also make you giggle, knowing where we are now. Guess what the attendance was at Stamford Bridge at that time? Yeah. Division two. Yeah. Fifteen. Six thousand six hundred and seventy-seven. Yeah. How about that? And that big, like, yeah. Police Can you imagine that? Can't. Man. I know it's crazy, isn't it? That's got to be that one of the lowest loud. attendances. I they think. were loud. 
But you remember it? Yeah, they were loud. Well, there you go. There you but go. We're quiet now. <laughs> we're long, we're well, long well, there we now. go. Well, that's an interesting discussion 6, as well, isn't 000. it? Six thousand. Wow. You know, you've had all this abuse. It's tough. You're on your own, and now you score two goals. Did you start to feel part of the team then? No. No, still not. No, still not. Um, of course, um, scoring goals will either give you some confidence, but still not not feeling. You know what I mean, embraced by the fans as yet. What about your teammates? Um, teammates were teammates. They were cool. I'm getting wrong. You got to understand. We're we're seeing each other um, in the week, five days a week, um, training, having fun, and so forth. Yeah, unless it was a reserve game. Obviously, I play that and enjoy. And to be yeah, you played well. That you're picked for the first team. Mm. Um, so you just got on. You always met those first team players. It was the case. In the training ground, it was always reserves against the first team anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? So I was always in the reserves and not in the first team. So, so... Um, Teammates. Supportive. Supportive. Really was. Um, it's amazing um, the amount of players have gone through at that time. And you mentioned uh, Chris Hutchins. Yeah. Mickey Joy. Mickey Nutton, I thought, was a talent. Fillery, loved him. Yeah. I thought he was another talent. Patesy. Yeah, Colin Viljo. Remember him playing? Yeah, yeah. So it, to go through that as a youngster who used to see those players yeah. on little telly and like now standing next to them, it was a, a real buzz for me. Um, it didn't make me feel that I was good enough yet, but to be there... Yeah, but the go- the goals must have helped. I mean, the I, goals, I mean, these. I mean, as I said, you see, scored the two against Carlisle, then you followed that up with the one against Fulham about three or four matches later. I mean, take take me through the goals, Canners, and then tell me what it. Felt. I don't know the, the Do you goals at Carlisle, but I remember the goal at Fulham. If that's the half volley, yeah, um, a thing that we worked off at the training ground, and from the from training a corner, ground, wasn't it? corner, yeah. it was a case that Paul, if anything comes over across, for you to just put it back in the box, mm. and I stood off the post. Because I was on the started off the, on the post, mm. and I started off because if anything it came off ahead and it That's came to right. the back, I'll be ready to put it back in. But this ball came so conveniently, um, it was, and it wasn't headed from Mickey Dre. I think the defender was it Dawes? I don't know. Flicked it, but it stood up just right to hit on the left foot half volley, and I was there, and um, hit it, finished it so well. And I remember the first person who picked me up. I'm sure it was Mickey Fillery. Was it? Yeah, I like Mickey. I was on the ground because I slipped. I was That's on the right. ground. Yeah. And Mickey came out and picked me up and he pushed me. And I was like, yes. And that goal of how it was well taken, a hit like that, yeah, that, that meant a lot to me. It was hit precisionly. Lovely volley. So there you go. He's he's excited about it even now, Mark. But um, I mean, it was significant, wasn't it? I mean, I know it didn't might not have felt like it at the time. So maybe a bit of misty-eyed uh, nostalgia looking back at it. But they were significant, really, weren't they? First goals by a black player for Chelsea. Extremely significant, and you know, I think you'd say with Canners, it took a while for some sections of the crowd to accept Canners. And I think if ever was a point where that was the turning point where he really grew. Yeah, with those two goals in the Carlisle game, you know, there's nothing better to win over fans by, you know, either scoring the winning goal or, or scoring goals, you know, in an important game for Chelsea. Playing so well. Goals, 
Yeah. It was obvious he was a good player, though, Mark, wasn't he? He could play. He could play. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, it's all right. Go on. Uh, yeah, he he he, he can play he can play Canners, but I I think you know l l listen to what Canners has said. You know, he, he even said you know he was still struggling to get the the fans' acceptance at Stamford Bridge, and I think the Carlisle game and the Fulham game really cemented his place with Chelsea fans. I think once and for all. Mm -hmm. J.K. Um, as is usual with my my enthusiasm for for new blood. Um, <laughs> I, th I thought he was great from the beginning, and uh, he had a he had a, a, a wonderful a wonderful change of pace and acceleration. That um, um, I think we we wanted we were hoping that Phil Driver would be would be in the side, but he was clearly injured all the time. So he had he had the opportunity, uh, Canners, and he took it, and he was um, uh, he just got better and better um, uh, until the, until he became an absolute part of the fabric. Um, but I mean my my naivety about the whole thing it, it it i don't know naive is the wrong wrong word there's a terrible acceptance at the time that that's how black players were treated and it was and it was appalling but um you couldn't confront it because uh, that way led to being punched so it was it, occasionally you felt ashamed on the terraces if around you there was somebody um uh, booing him or, or or calling him a black bastard or whatever dreadful stuff and you you'd You'd, I remember thinking, I, I want to say something here, but I'm afraid I really do value my face. I'm sorry about this, you know. So um, it um, it was uh, it was a very tricky times, but it was a fab goal, the Fulham goal. I remember being um, I had a position at Fulham. I used to try and stand out all the time, which was I'd gone there from where I was little, and he scored exactly on the angle for when it was flicked. It was brown flicked. It was a I think fillery corner, and it was it was flicked across. Um, and uh, and he just volleyed it into the corner, and it was just just in level. And bizarrely, the same angle. I remember seeing Tony Hakeley score with a header there. So, but I just I was just somewhere we always ended up standing at, at, at the cottage, and uh, it was a great goal. Uh, great some... great atmosphere there as well. I mean, watching it on on YouTube yeah. this afternoon, yeah. the old Putney end. Yeah, and I, th I think the key thing about Canners as well, then, is like he'd only come back into the side at that Charlton game we talked about. And he was pretty much ever present from there there on into the yeah. end of the season. Yeah. So the Carlisle game was his second game, uh, having started the season very early doors. And then Rhodes Brown played played out on the wing. So once he got back in the side, he was there till the end of the season. I think and he was. Sorry, sorry, Mark. I was going to say I think he was also helped by Walker having a dreadful season as well. I think Walker was very poor that season. Um, because I and it always dismayed me because I always thought Walker was a, a terrific player, but somehow I think his his heart had gone out of it. Actually, Walker on his day could be an absolutely unbelievable winger, you know, winger. great player to watch on his day. But there were days where he just seemed—I don't know what it was—either not interested, off the pace, or something else was going on. Because there was days when he was a complete passenger in the games, and that's really sad. Because you know we saw some really good, good, amazing games from Clive Walker throughout his Chelsea career. Mm, interesting stuff. Um, I mean, after the after the Fulham game, it, it all goes a bit Pete Tong. We we're now into April. We lose uh, at home to QPR. We draw away at Oldham. We lose at home the unthinkable. We lose at home to Newcastle. How on earth could that happen? Uh, and then we get absolutely, uh, you know, kicked from you know. I mean, basically, Burnley were a bunch of animals, uh, as they so often were. 3-0 they beat us and that that basically mark leaves us in 20th position 
with one, two, three, four games to go. Dun, dun, dun. We are staring the unthinkable, uh, a fall and a drop into Division 3. This is not good, is it? No, no <laughs> not good. And I, I would say up until that point, you know, again with my head of optimism, at no point did I ever think we were in danger of getting relegated. No, no, me, me neither. Absolutely right. Really? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I thought there were worse teams and I just Absolutely. thought, oh, no, we'll pull it out. We'll pull out the bag. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 and and I think the turn and even again, you you look at some of those results. You know, bit hit and miss. We beat Carlisle, then we we lost at home to Barnsley. Yeah, okay, bad performance at home to Barnsley, but there was still about ten games to go. The Fulham result was a good result. Fulham just missed out on promotion, uh, and even losing to QPR, QPR got promoted. Well, they, they so were top. Even with yeah, even six or seven games ago, you, you're not worried. You go to Oldham, you get a point. That's a good point. You know, I think it was only like the Newcastle game. When we lost to Newcastle, you think, hang on a minute, this game next week at Turf Moor is really important. This is a big game. And they were, bottom. they were bottom. They were bottom at the time. Yeah. They were bottom. So it's a bit like Bolton before Bolton. So, you know, I went up to Burnley thinking, you know, this is a really important game. If we win this, we'll be absolutely fine. You know, so no worries about not even thinking about the you know, relegation. And then when we lost to Burnley, you begin to think, hang on a minute. Yeah. And we were so bad at Burnley. Yeah, I think, I think the memory I have of Burnley, and it was a rare thing then at Football Grounds, remember, with alcohol. I spent most of the second half in the bar because we were that bad in the first half. And most other Chelsea fans did the same. And I, think I came back up to see, I think, Burnley get a very late third goal. We were that bad that day. And you, you began to sort of dawn on you, do you know what? We've dropped into the bottom three here with this loss. We could go down. You know, and it was only at that point that you actually thought at no point of the previous 38 games, it had not even entered my head that would relegation even happen. Uh, chaps, the, the fans were not happy. I mean, I think I think you alluded to this earlier on, JK, didn't you? But yeah, yeah. around this time, I mean, maybe you can tell me kind of exactly when it was, but, you know, there were sit down protests. There were calls for John Neal to be yeah, sacked and Eddie Mack to come back. I was, I was always bemused by that, Chidge, the sit down protest. We do that every week now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some people stand though in in the uh, in the Matthew Harding in the shed. True enough. Uh, but um, uh, there used to be they went through several phases. There used to be this constant slow hand clapping that used to go on. That oh, used I hate to be that. The, I hate that. the way that the fans showed their displeasure, and that was a, that was a constant in the sixties, um, and, and I think a constant with uh, when Danny Blanchflower was manager. But then that seemed to disappear, and as you say. The sit-down protest, it must have meant there was hardly anybody actually watching the game. There was that, you couldn't normally do that. So I think it was easy to sit down. You could actually watch the game sitting down if there were only 6,000 of you in there um, uh, from the terraces. Uh, but yeah, and also lots of people um, asking for, for John Neal's head, which was a shame because um, um, I, I, I still had this feeling that he was trying to do something. It was just a, it was a, I, I fear that I, I don't know what would have happened if they had gone down. Whether he'd have actually stayed in the job, in which case would we have uh, would we have had any any um, uh, any of the success of the following years? I don't know. I think Bates would have backed him actually because okay. I think I, I think Bates could see what was going on. Yeah, um, and uh, um, yeah, I, I have to say as we went towards these last four games, I began to bury my head in the sand and um, and despair. And uh, I couldn't bear the prospect of them going down at all. So I, I, um, 
I, I would uh, I, I didn't go to any of the uh, I obviously went to the home games but I would I would um, uh, I would be in a complete slough of despond predicting we would lose everything and I was I became I went from my usual optimism to complete pessimism right. and um, and was was just um, the prospect the Bolton game I then hid I've hid and waited for the end of the result just for the end of the day I just couldn't bear it I couldn't have anything to do with it so, so Mark were you were you calling for Eddie Mack to be in reinstated we know what a fan of Eddie Mack you are were you were you yes, one of the protagonists here or what absolutely not no what was <laughs> you know, was not calling for Eddie Mack back and I remember, okay. don't I don't, remember don't sue me for slander then all right <laughs> um, I can't remember if it was the Rotherham or the Sheffield Wednesday home game but they weren't even just sitting down and doing slow there were banners yeah I remember there was banners yes. with yes. Neil out those those homemade yes. crappy banners yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah yeah I remember that as well and I, I I didn't get that yeah I really didn't get that because I, I could still see you know I think John Neil was the person we should we should stick with and so I'm glad that Bates did stick with him and I think you know, as Jonathan said, I think, I think even if it's gone down, I think Bates would have still stuck with him. Uh, and I think it's not on YouTube, but I do remember, and I can't, it might have been in and around that Rotherham Sheffield Wednesday or before the Bolton game. Thames TV did a programme um, leading up to one of these games where they interviewed Peter Osgood. Uh, and Peter Osgood was basically saying how bad we were, we were going to get relegated. Um, and then they did an interview with John Neal. And he just came across it. The first time I'd seen a John Neal interview and he just came across as a really likable person. And he spoke highly of the club. He spoke highly of the chairman. And, you know, with that Northeastern accent, which I, I could not do and I wouldn't intend to do. It's a bit like spoke, that. It's that kind of voice. Like it's a bit like that, John. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he spoke about the fans and he just kept saying, we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right for the fans. We've got to get it right for the chairman. And we've got to get it right for the football club. And it, it, it wasn't like a call to arm, but it was just a really impassionate speech. And I thought, do you know what? I like this guy, you know, and, you know, and I, I want him to stay. So I, at no point did I call for his head. And I'm, and I'm glad he stayed because obviously on the next show, you know, we'll hear a, what a wonderful season he has his manager. We will indeed. We will indeed. Say, that's a very good point because the media was obviously nowhere near. They only had the two, two channels. Um, so uh, you didn't really see much of your manager. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get an opinion if the club wasn't doing very well. They weren't. They weren't. Um, uh, uh, they weren't up front. They weren't. They weren't being chosen by the media to make statements. So this was a. This was a rarity. And to actually see him then communicating, you then you could then yeah give you a view of the manager that you wouldn't normally have. Whereas nowadays every manager speaks after every game, so you know yeah, exactly. Very different. Like, very different. You, very very it was, different. It was so rare, and probably someone's got it on video somewhere. Else. I might even have it in my loft here at home. But if someone's got that, I'd love to see that film again because you know. He really came across so well. Yeah, I think it probably was before the Bolton game. Yeah. Mm, all right. Well, look, we've got four games left. We've got Rotherham at home, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Bolton away, uh, Middlesbrough at home. Uh, we managed to draw against Rotherham, which, you know, let's face it, in those times was a massive result. Uh, certainly beats getting beaten 6 0. Um, or 4 1. They did double over us the I know. year before. 10 1 aggregate. 10 1 aggregate. Uh, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, of course, who we would go on to have quite a ding-dong of a rivalry with around this time. We draw one all with them. The the bad news here is that I think Speedy uh, either... Was he injured, Mark, or was he uh, suspended? Sorry. Suspended, suspended. Right, he gets, suspended. Yeah, he gets suspended for the last two. So, you know, by this time, Speedo's uh, done, done a, a good job. I mean, he's scored... Let me just quickly whiz down. He's scored nine goals. Not quite our top scorer, but uh, not far off. So he is a huge miss for, 
what is arguably one of the most important matches of Chelsea's history coming up. So we've got Bolton away. Uh, Bolton, of course, are uh, basically, you know, let's have a look. They are... They are above us in the table by quite a considerable margin this time. They're, they're on 44 points, but they're uh, about three places above us. Middlesbrough, who we've got next, are just below them. Um, it's absolutely crunch time. Uh, 5,000 Chelsea fans travel up to uh, what was in those days Burnden Park. Um, just to give you... Well, I mean, you know, we, we're going to hear from uh, Johnny Bumpstead and uh, and Gary Chivers and actually the remarkable thing that comes out of that is actually you know as the boy they they themselves said and, and and Martin King verified as well there were more Chelsea fans than Bolton fans there our support there that day was terrific let's let's hear what the boys who were there said about this I mean I think arguably you know if you look at it now probably the most important match in Chelsea's history really but it's the the one nil up at Bolton, Clive yeah, Clive's yeah, goal, yeah. which uh, kind of stopped us from going down to the third yeah. division, I and mean, possibly out of business, actually. Yeah, but, I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's we we can easily say now how important it was, but how did it feel at the time as a player? We we just slept walking into that. We was really, yeah, it, you know, it was, I think it was one of them things. Oh, we won't get relegated. And then we was losing a game and another game, and it was getting nearer and nearer. And then I think when we actually got to Bolton, seeing all the supporters, it sort of dawned, yeah, dawned on everyone. I think, yeah, yeah, no, this yeah. really is. How, how many were there, do you reckon? I'd say nearly a third of the ground was shown. Oh, yeah, it was packed. Third of the ground. Yeah. But what you, what you get as well is when you're on the coach yeah. going to the ground and yeah. you see all the supporters. You think, yeah. oh, you know, Does that lift you in a yeah, situation yeah, like that? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Do you feel like you don't want to let them down, the supporters down? Yeah, I mean, you it? never do, but you yeah. know, when you see that, if you yeah, can't, it means made, a lot to yeah, they've made this it? effort, and they, we're nearly getting relegated, and they're capping the coach as it's going past. Yeah. <laughs> well, that shows the support we've yeah. got, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Possibly one of the most important mas- uh, matches in Chelsea's history, which is the, the match against Bolton one yeah. year away in '83. Uh, and if we hadn't won that, we could well have gone down to Division Three, and that would have been real trouble. So. Did you feel pressure in that match because no. of that? You didn't had no, no idea about that. No, fully aware. Fully aware. F- fully aware wow. of, 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 of the consequences. Wow! But we were a lot better than Bolton. Right. <laughs> we were a lot better than <laughs> Bolton, helps. and, and, and yeah. that that helped. And, and I'm not being funny. Even after 20 minutes, even yeah. after, and it was rain soaked. I think there was oh, six. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. six thousand, yeah. six thousand away supporters wow. with, who sung their hearts both ends of the ground with, with the fuck, absolutely brilliant you had half yeah. the ground mate yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the case yeah. brilliant yeah. They, yeah. They were brilliant. well how about this do you know what the, do you know what the attendance was for that match go on 8,687 we had 6,000 yeah, yeah. unbelievable yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we was never ever going to lose that game and, and people might say you, you, what, you, you know, I was that confident right. I don't think they hardly had a shot there was a couple of little scuffles during the game but we was never going to lose that game and, uh, and after the game uh, it was like winning the cup we knew it was, we yeah. was going to stay yeah. up it was yeah, brilliant absolutely brilliant and I went round uh, clapping all the supporters and everything and I, I took my shirt off and I threw it into the crowd and and, Mar- and Martin's got it here back. today no, <laughs> listen, <laughs> he threw it back <laughs> and listen Listen, you, you like this? You like this? When we come off, the kit man, the kit man turned around and said, "Where's your shirt?" I said, "Front it to the crowd." Mickey Fillory, where's your shirt? 
I've thrown it to the crowd. Yeah. Someone else threw their shirt to the threw it to the crowd yeah. and like that. The club build us for the shirts. <laughs> on, on Tuesday. Seriously. On, on Seriously. Tuesday, yeah. How much was it? I don't know, it was six pound or something like that. Five they, they build us Belgium they build us for it, yeah. Did you have a they took out the wages. Oh fuck yeah. Deductions. And, and the the person I threw the shirt, I ain't got a clue. I uh, made a message in the, in the paper about yeah, two yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah. He come forward with the shirt. No it's way. The, it's in the Chelsea Museum. It's in the museum. Is it really? Yeah. What a great thing. How yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Have your shirt in there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, privilege. Yeah. That's good yeah. of him to put it in there, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Brilliant. How amazing is that? Oh, but but we, we was never going to lose that game, and of course we played, we played uh, Middlesbrough. You did. Your last match. My, my last match, yeah. and I knew it was going to be my last did match. Did you? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't see eye to eye. Good job. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant stuff. I mean, what what staggers me about this, boys, um, you know, my memories of it, reading Kelvin's book, it was a very cagey, nervy match. Chelsea failing to put chances away. Looks like it's heading for a nil-nil. Obviously, Clive Walker scores the goal 15 minutes from time. The goal that effectively saves Chelsea. We could have gone out of business, let alone going down to the third division. What really strikes me most about those two interviews with the boys is how absolutely confident they were, A, that they would be fine and they'd get the result they wanted, and how much they were lifted by the support that we had, Mark. Yep. Support was incredible that day. And again, Looking at the gate, you know, whether Bolton were doing what other clubs are doing, the gate is recorded at 8,000. We did have more fans than Bolton there that day, but there was much more than 8,000 there, probably about 10 or 11 at least. But, you know, we had a good 5,000 there. We were behind the goal. Uh, we were on the stand on the left-hand side. It poured with rain the whole day, but the support was tremendous. And I think people did believe. You know, people didn't go up there with pessimism. You know, that was, as you say, probably the, at that time, the most important game before 2012 Munich in Chelsea's history. And or, or Liverpool 2003 or 4, 4 3-3. Yeah, the support from the start was behind the team from the off. I don't think it was... You know, we were never going to lose that day. We, weren't, we were going to win. It was just a question of time you know, when that goal would go in. You know, you know, and obviously, with 20 minutes ago, Walker scores that goal and the place erupts. You know, the modern day youth talk about limbs... You know, and that there was plenty of limbs that day. You know, people were falling down the terraces, falling down the seats. You know, that goal, there was no way Bolton would come back from that. And it was so tight. You know, it was so tight at the bottom of that table. As you said, Bolton were much higher up on the table, but they ended up getting relegated in bottom place because they never got another point. <laughs> I'm sorry, shouldn't laugh, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that one win, yeah, I know yeah, the last game, we probably needed a draw to stay up, but... That one win lifted us about 12th or 13th in the table from sort of like third bottom. You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was an incredible... Went up to 14th, went up to 14th, Mark. We were, we were 19th when we kicked off and we ended up being 14th after winning against Bolton. But I, I, just to support that day, one of uh, probably the top 10 Chelsea games of all time. If people were there, they'd know what I was talking about. Tremendous support that day from the five or 6,000 fans. You know, really cheered, cheered their team and stop them falling into the third division. That that was so serious, that game. If we'd lost that game or not won that day, there was a real chance we would have got relegated that mm. season. And who knows what would have happened then. Mm. Indeed. Jonathan, your memories of it? Um, well, as I say, I hid. 
So uh, behind the uh, sofa, like we did yeah. when we watched Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I actually remember. Um, uh, I don't know how somebody somebody said in the house. I said, oh, uh, I think my mum said, uh, oh, I've just heard they've just scored. I said, no, no, who, 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 who? Chelsea, of course. Oh, they, oh, and then, then it completely on tenterhooks as to whether they keep it. I just then went out, you know, I just wandered around. And um, so, in, in those days, was it on the radio, Jonathan? If you weren't there, we, I mean, how are you following yeah. it? Yeah, no, I wasn't following it at all. I wasn't. You don't. You just get the odd report would come through, wouldn't it? On on, on, on the radio or C Fax, C Fax in those days. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't have that. You didn't no, do no, that. No. You never no, watched no. Chelsea on C Fax. You never haven't, you haven't lived, that. mate. No, I haven't. I wish I can. I do it now. No, because it's gone now. Is it okay? Yeah. Just if I could. There is an equivalent, it. actually. There's there's something I've called found called Flash, which I used to use when I was at Love Sport because it's absolutely in real time because they've done it for the gambling lot. And right. I've watched Chelsea play on Flash, so you have no idea what's going on, and suddenly a goal flashes up, and then you have to go to the live commentary, which is just in text, and it tells you what happened. But it reminds me a little bit of the the horror of watching your team on CFAX. No, but we didn't have that, and uh, and I wasn't being uh, uh, nobody phoned to tell me what was going on. No, it was just uh, my mum saying we'd scored. She'd heard it. Well, and, there you uh, go. I, I think the other significant thing is everything went our way that day as well. Really, we had to do our job. We had to win the game. Yeah, um, but we still had to go to the last day. But all all the results went our way that day. Um, all the teams above us who we there, uh, overtook. You know, Derby got beat. Grimsby drew. Burnley drew at Grimsby. Um, Middlesbrough lost. So every result, there wasn't a, a bad result. Every result went our favour. That, that how we leapt up to four into the table. So, you know, we were safe. There was no, there was it, the, the last game of the season didn't really matter. You know, that win kept us in that position. Mm, fantastic. And of course, it all fizzles out with a a nil nil draw in the final match against Middlesbrough. Yes, and... it was euphoric, Chidge, the final match because yeah? we were going down. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. Tell me about it. I just remember there being a, you know, both sides played out. There wasn't much effort made because uh, I think um, uh, Bayern needed, yeah, needed a point. A bit like West much. Germany versus Austria. Yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Very yeah. similar. But there was a feeling of, once again, a feeling of what's going to happen next year. Mm. We've, we're here still. And I'm, let's see what's going to, let's see what's going to evolve. Indeed. So it, it was, there was a bizarre positivity about it. Yeah. I found it was a kind of celebration a relief, because, yeah, 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 yeah. There was a, there was um there was a, a a good a good rumble on the on the terraces and around the east stand. It just felt it felt it felt a good thing because of the. And relief. there was a tremendous at the end of the game, yeah, and it was building up before. And there's a tremendous pitch invasion at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah not hooliganism, all very light-hearted. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. nineteen thousand. I don't think it was any hardly any Middlesbrough fans that day. If they were, they let them out early, and. There's photos of, you know, lots of photos have been online since of probably most of that 19,000 must have been on the pitch at the end of it. Yeah, and then yeah. Ken Bates, the following season, um, when he writes about his year as chairman when, when we get promoted, um, he does a photo of that front cover of that book as everyone on the pitch. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an absolutely fantastic photo. I was, because I'm, I was upstairs in the uh, East Stand, in the East Stand middle in the front, and we were all working out whether we could get onto the pitch. Should we go down? To go onto the pitch at the time, I remember thinking, "Well, with Jonathan Perez, I think must have been there with me, saying, let come on, let's go, let's go down there, come on, come on.'" And then I'm going, "No, something will happen. I'll, you know, 
I'll, I'll step in a puddle or something or, you know, oh, I'll fall over or I'll get, you know, arrested for doing something. I don't know. So in the end, we, we didn't bother. We just, you know, waved, at, at, at nobody waving back, but we were just, we took in the whole, the whole, um, we, we sucked in the atmosphere because it was, it was a great moment. You're absolutely right, Mark. It was great. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So there you go. Uh, relegation, disaster, probably, possibly going out of business, avoided just, uh, as I f- said, we finish, I think it was uh, 17th uh, that season, which, of course, is our lowest finish to date. Um, before we... It was 18th, Chidge. Was it really? Lower. So bound, yeah. Bounder Friedale is Ooh. finally, finally, we found a floor in Bounder Friedale because it's I the thought, 17th. I Things we finished, yeah. Okay. And the significance is we stayed up by two points. Yeah. So that three points were win at Bolton was key. Absolutely, absolutely. So look, for, we, before we kind of wrap up with the whole kind of summary and reflection of the season, the, the question is really, you know, we've over-egged it like we would. But Mark, was Walker's goal and Chelsea's win? You and I did this on your audition of My Chelsea, I remember. If only could remember what you said. It sort of seems so no, long ago now. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean, was Walker's goal and Chelsea's win against Bolton the most important goal stroke win in the club's history, do you think? Yes, it was. Why? Yeah, now my last, yeah, at that time, yeah, obviously Munich is different. That ch- changes things. But compare it to Gronkiel's goal, obviously Gronkiel... Goal, then Abramovich comes and buys the club. I still think, even with the financial difficulties we had in 2003, if Abramovich hadn't come in, someone else would have come in and bought the club. Maybe not at the level of Abramovich's money. But if Walkout and scored that goal and we got relegated to the third division, there's still financial difficulties. They were still there at the club, even though Bates had just come in. He'd taken over a club with no money, you know, hence why he got it for a pound. Um, could we have gone out of business? we might have done or if we'd stayed in the third division could we have gone down from the third division to the fourth division that was quite possible as well i think that walker goal in chelsea history is so so significant mm. jk um, I, i'm i'm not so sure actually I, I think they would have um uh they'd have won the league if they'd gone down to the the third division if they'd have kept the team together yeah yeah well yes that's the, the possibility but he was going to sell people anyway the following season so uh it would have become a. I suppose we would never have bought Kerry Dixon because he wouldn't have wanted to have come to a third division team. So yes, well, it, he might have. He, he was have. he was that third division team at the time at Reading. So it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. He might have done. He might have thought his prospects were better. But I thought. I think he felt he was improving himself, wasn't he, by coming to Chelsea um, the following year. Um, I don't. We're 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 not to know, are we? I I I'm, uh, knowing ultimately what what. Um, uh, uh, how Bates would try and shape the setup. I don't think he would have ever tolerated them being a, a third third division club. I don't think he'd have gone down to the fourth. I think he'd have he'd have invested money somehow to get them up to the first, which was his aim because mm-hmm. he saw them as a money making machine. So um, I mean, I, I I've got lots of mates who are Fulham fans who just kind of sort of accepted the fact they went down to the to the lower divisions. But uh, so. Um, uh, they bounced back. I'm obviously not the same with the same success that we did, but I, 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 I wasn't. Um, uh, I'd have accepted it with my usual optimism. The following season, I'd have thought if we had gone down, we'll be back now, and then we'll win it the following year, and we'll be back in the first. That would have been my approach. I love you both for that. So there you go. Um, I, I personally, I think it, it was the most important goal and the most important win in Chelsea's history, without a doubt. I'm with Mark on this. I mean, we can't of course predict what may have happened had we gone down it's impossible to do so but 
Um, you know, I think there would have been a real possibility that the finances were in such a state it could have been very, very grim. And Bates, in a sense, we'd already cashed in our chips. We got rid of the Mears lot and, and Bates had come in. So he didn't really have the money to invest. But I think Mark's point's quite salient about Kerry, JK. It was a very different time then. It's not like now, you know, where, where players just won't move to a lower division. You know, if they've got a good offer, they like what they see, they'll they'll do it. And so maybe he would have been able to keep the team together. And maybe he would have been able to get some new acquisitions and some acquisitions to get us up. But as I said, it's a bit of a pointless exercise because, of course, we'll never know. Um, OK, talking about... The... One thing I'd say... Sorry, I'd Mark, say go on. ...as well is obviously uh, and not preempting what will happen on, on the next show. But the fascinating thing I, 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 about what I remember about this season is no sooner had we avoided relegation... Bates was quick to cancel contracts. He moved really quickly afterwards. No, no, like now we've seen in recent weeks, people wait until a contract ends in June. Those players that weren't there the following season were gone pretty soon after that season's finished. And some of the new signings that will form the basis of what you'll talk about on the next show were signed very quickly as well. That was so a plan. And he, didn't, he didn't mess about Bates. He moved really, really quickly. And I think Kerry was probably one of the last players he bought. So with transfers, you always sort of think they're not sort of spur of the moment things. You're planning, you're watching, you're looking at players for months in advance. So the other significant thing, why that game was so important is I reckon Bates already had a long-term plan. You know, he'd probably written off that season that we were going to finish mid-table, whatever. And he'd already had, you know, with John Neal and Ian McNeil, those players in mind that shaped that side the following season. And if we got relegated, as we say, how many of those players would have then joined if we were in the third division? We mm, don't know. We don't know. We don't know. All right. Well, look, you know, wrapping wrapping things up, just talking of the players. Joey Jones wins player of the player of the season. Right, right decision, JK? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, he got better and better and better and uh, uh, and became a, a firm fan's favourite. Yeah. Absolutely. Class act, Joey. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, I agree. He became a hero with Chelsea fans very, very quickly. Um, he only joined us in November, so you know that's a real short impact. You know, only half the season that win player of the year really deserved. I think the only other player that would have probably stuck out in my mind that season was Speedy. You know, for that first season, Speedy had a superb first season. He did. Although, he only... sorry, Mark. Sorry, John, uh, Jonathan. No, I just think he was wonderful. And I, I want to make a, just point that poor old Kevin Hales had come back from injury, but um, didn't really. Uh, uh, set the world alight it was just a shame because he was a decent player I said he came from Charlton I was of course um, confusing Derek. him with the, with the other Hales yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I mean Speedy only scored oh, nine sorry Mark go on didn't he go to Charlton afterwards I mean, that's what he, oh I did get it right then you went to Charlton I'm sure there was I kept thinking the Charlton's connection then I remember thinking okay, when I saw the game today I watched it and I thought there's Kevin here I thought I've made this terrible error because he's I've just connected the two but perhaps he did go so there were two yeah, Hales there were two Hales Hail Hale. Because he was a decent player the year before, but injury and they made a decision that that, that was the end of that. So. Um, you know, Speedy, as we were saying, you know, definitely made a massive impact. Although he only scored nine goals. I think the other, you know, the other um, person to really mention as well is, I think, the way that Kev Colin Pate stepped up this season. And I think it's really interesting. If you look who made the most appearances this season, it's quite revealing about what, what's it going to happen going forward. Uh, Johnny B... Johnny Bumps has uh, 41 appearances. Mike Fillery, 42. Uh, Steve Francis, 43. Chris Hutchings, 39. Colin Lee, 36. 
Colin Pate's 40, Speedy 40. So, it you know, you can already see how it's shaping up. You know, the likes of Speedy, Colin Pates, uh, you know, Joey, obviously, uh, Steve Francis. You know, you can see that, 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 that and Bummers, of course, Johnny B, you know, that, that, that a nucleus of a new side, in a sense, is emerging here. And you can see the players that aren't getting as many games. Alan May, 16, for example, Mickey Nutton, eight games. Um, Mickey Droy, but actually he put in a good shift for thirty-seven. You see where I'm going with that, J.K. But then he put, then he put, um, then Colin Lee played centre half for the remaining games of the season, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Droy was clearly that was an area where he wasn't happy. Neil uh, centre half, which was was understandable because because he was he was a very rustic player, Mickey Droy, or effort, but you know, as I said, could could be easily turned. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Gary Locke only eight appearances all season. You know, so it's a- on Gary Locke, Gar- Gary Locke actually went on loan to Crystal Palace in November. Mm. I, I thought it was a strange thing to actually send Gary Locke on loan, and he never came back. Palace bought him in the March transfer window, so that's why Gary Locke only played eight games. Um, he, I think he'd got, I think he either got booked or sent off in one of the games. So whether John Neal just thought he was indisciplined or whatever, but you know, that's why he played so few games. We sold him. Mm. I think the other thing is interesting. I mean, we, we only had 11 wins. Only only Mike Fullery scored over 10 goals. Uh, the av- lowest finish in our history, as we all know. Um, average attendance this season. This is quite phenomenal. 11,008. Where they get the eight from, I don't know. But 11,008 was the average attendance. I think the question really is, uh, was this the worst season in our history? We know it was statistically, but you know what did it feel like? I mean, I, I still would stand by eighty eighty one actually, but uh, was this Chelsea's Annus Horribilis, Mark? Ooh, uh, well, seventy eight nine was a shocking season, and we've we've covered that previously. But this probably sort of might shade it because it's it's a lower division. The, the danger of going down to the third division, the poor crowds, you know, poor on the field, poor off the field, every, everything. It went wrong for Chelsea that season. So this, this is probably the worst season in our history. You think so? I think it, in terms of the fact that we did know. Didn't... I think it depends what day you ask me. Other days I might say 78-9 because 78-9, we only won five games all that season. At least you know, this season we won 11 games and we scored a few more goals in that season. So as a supporter, if you're paying your ticket, you saw more winning football this season, even though we were in a worse position. Mm. Might have to toss a coin. I think because there was no cup run, all the previous seasons, there'd always be a bit of interest by getting a bit further on in the cup. So you'd almost think that was a highlight. Um, whereas because they went out so early, there were there weren't too many uh, saving graces. But um, uh, I, I found once again, I found the odd moment of I didn't think to me that it was the worst football I'd seen because they seemed to turn it on from time to time, um, uh, particularly early on in the season. I would say I was infused. So. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, possibly, po- possibly um, there were there were worse seasons for me, um, just yeah. because where yeah. they played more inconsistent football and just not been as I didn't not as competitive. I got the feeling in so many some past seasons the team gave up, whereas I, I I never quite got the feeling the team gave up. I just thought they were they weren't very good, and then they'd play then they'd you know they'd beat Cambridge six nil, which would surprise you. So uh, I, you know. 
Jonathan's right. Yeah, we put six past Cambridge, we put four past Carlisle, we put five past Grimsby, and the yeah. Charlton game we talked about with that Colin Pate's goal. So there were high points during the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm straying now to probably say, no, it wasn't the worst season in history. I'm going to go for 1979. Well, and which is interesting, you know, because even though statistically this is our worst ever season, I, I, I still think 80-81 was the worst season. How you can go that long without scoring any bloody goals? The football was just beyond, beyond awful. I yeah. think I think last season, eighty one, eighty two, as Jonathan said, there's the massively redeeming feature of knocking Liverpool out of the FA Cup, the then European champions, and and a great match against Spurs. You know, you had redeeming features in that. There, for me, there are no redeeming features at all with eighty eighty one. Not well, even a manager trying to make something happen. No, I, I disagree. In eighty eighty one, what, what, why? You know, I don't think that's the worst season in our history. Is um, up until Christmas, we were doing really well under True. Jeff Hurst. We True. were in the promotion yeah. hunt. After Christmas, we were shocking. If it took based on half a season, that's the bit I the remember, Mark. Yeah, the eighty eighty one is probably the worst half a season. <laughs> in Chelsea absolutely history. agree. That is that 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 sticks in your mind. The 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 nine <laughs> games with that absolutely yeah. right. I mean, I, right. I used to use that. I mean, Phil, Psycho Phil, used to do this to me. You know, he used to say, "Chidge, you think you know if if we'd ever had a horrible loss, or we you know we'd lost against somebody we shouldn't have done in recent history." He said, "Chidge, just remember." We we couldn't score any goals for pretty much half a season under Jeff Hurst in eighty eighty one, and I've passed that down to like you know new, newer fans that we meet, you know particularly overseas mob who might have only found us since two thousand and four or five, and I, I say the same. So that, it sticks in my mind, but that's the beautiful thing, you know. Football's all about opinions and one's own personal kind of experience of it. So there you go. Um, my personal experience of you two tonight has been absolutely fantastic. Even if it was a shit season, it's been uplifting listening to you. Uh, you know, share your memories of it with me. Uh, and I hope it's been as enjoyable and engaging for the people who've been listening to it. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk about a much different season. The tide, its we've reached the nadir, people. It, the only way is up and it starts to go up next season. It's going to be a corker, isn't it, Jonathan? It will certainly be so. I was tempted to give bits away. Don't, but don't, I, don't tell anybody. I've suppressed it. I've suppressed they, it. They won't know. You can't tell anybody. They won't, they won't I know. Tell them. I can't tell them. No, exactly. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you've been brilliant. I look forward to speaking to you again on Monday, of course. And, and we've got we've we've got to reschedule next week because the bloody schedule's changed again for the football. So I think they've shoved a match in on Tuesday. So I need to consult the diary again. But we will be back. Don't you worry. Uh, Mark, what an absolute privilege it is whenever we get you on this show. I mean, your your knowledge and, and, and not just the fact that you know know what the score was, your experiences and the stories around it are just absolutely captivating. We're very privileged to have you on board, mate. Thank you. I'll have to come back when we have a decent season for once. <laughs> well, you know, I'll see what I can do, mate. All right. Yeah, really enjoyable being on tonight. And obviously, I hope people listening really enjoyed it. And I'd say, if you've come with this journey so far, please stay with the journey for the next one. It's worth listening to. Yeah, Knowing your luck, I've got you on for 1988. (laughs) (laughs) But there we go. More of that later. Right, we've got to go. I I just see that gold moon in there. (laughs) Brilliant stuff. It's been great fun as ever. I really enjoyed it tonight, folks. Well done. See you very soon.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 